This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. about music. We've had a lot of discussion on these interviews about the power of music in particular as one of the most wonderful, brilliant, permanent sorts of learning tools uh, that, that the world has ever known. Music is one of the things that we use to remember things like our ABCs, but it is also proven to be time and time again uh, one of the most powerful ways of transmitting information, which is one of the reasons why when you think about the quality of our music right now and then you look at how it reflects what's happening in our reality as a, as a people, I know there's that common saying that it's art imitating life, imitating art, yada, yada, yada. But the reality is we are seeing some reflections in real life that look very much like what we sing about in our music. And I know people say, well, Larry, it's not fair to say that because most of the people who buy hip hop, you know, aren't black. They're white people. And those are the ones who are driving the industry. I'm like, yeah, that might be true. But those people who are buying hip hop, who are supporting that expression of art also have other options that they can look to for how to model their life, like healthier communities, self-determining communities. It's just curious to me that, you know, we we don't see that on the other side in much the same way. So when we think about art, when we think about the way that we do do did not not even I was going to say deride our art. That's not really the word I want to look to. Uh, we, we sort of marginalize the power and the impact of our art in particular. It, it's troublesome to me. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation with my guest, uh, Chief Ayanda Clark, who is an African-American master percussionist, Grammy Award winning musician, arts educator and lecturer who's been performing professionally since he was five. He has been on this show before. He's covered all of the amazing outlets that are there. He has uh, had some performing credits at Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center. Center, Radio City Music Hall, Michael Jackson, 30th anniversary celebration at Madison Square Garden, uh, The Late Show, David. I mean, he's been all over the place. And today he is here with us to unpack this sort of weird space that we sometimes pigeonhole African art in. Chief Ayanda Clark, it's a pleasure to have you back with us again. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Lori. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, you know, when it comes to art and music in particular, what are your thoughts on just the role that music plays, particularly for our community, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to being an education tool or, or even a bridge from our rational brain to our emotional space? You know, when we think about music in the church and, and all of the different places that we see musicality really opening us up to different experiences, what are your thoughts on, on just the, the power of our art in general before we delve more into some of the specifics of today's discussion well absolutely i think what you're what you're speaking to is the way that art has been unfortunately marginalized in mm -hmm. our in our uh, society in this western society we put art in this box and art is something that you do after you finish doing all the things that are important yep um and therein lies the problem the problem is that art and music I, i'm a, i'm a musician right so i'm going to mm -hmm. start with music. So when I talk about music, I'm talking about art. Um, but the role of music um, is is not something that we, we put off and we do after we do the important things. Mm. Music is part of our soundtrack. It's the way that we um, conceive and perceive uh, and the lens through which we see the world. And oftentimes the music that we listen to is filled with empty calories. Right, mm. right. So right now we know we're talking about health and wellness and we're making sure that we're we're feeding our spirits and we're feeding our bodies with nutritious um, uh, foods and and sources of energy to allow us to do the things that we need to do. Mm. So why would we poison our ears with empty calories, things that are devoid of 
of, of values, of aesthetics, of, of things that make up culture. If you think of culture, culture is the building blocks that build a society, mm. all right? And so art and music is one of the mechanisms that we uh, use to build the the society to build the cultural, the cultural understanding, the cultural literacy. So from the time we're kids, we like you said, we learn to sing our ABCs through music. We learn to sing, uh, to remember important uh, ideas and facts through music. And so we should and can, in a traditional context, uh, em employ music and art to support us in establishing the, the values and the aesthetics that we want to push forward. I think that's a really important concept that culture is there to help us create the values to, to shape what our aesthetic looks like. Can you tease that out for us a little bit? Because I feel like people who are within cultural expression spaces understand what that means. But what what is culture to a people? What is it? What does your culture do for you as a people? Why is it something that because a lot of times when we use the word culture, people think it's like soul food and we're in kin cloth right <laughs> like but but culture can you sort of from an artist perspective what is the connection between culture be it healthy or unhealthy and the state of a people absolutely well culture are the ways that that a society thinks that ways that a society um, conceives and perceives itself the values the things that we hold important and and dear the things the languages that we speak the way that we speak and communicate with each other culture is the way that we dress the way that we choose to represent ourselves and the way we choose to have others see us all of those things are embedded within culture so the ways that we um the ways that we choose to dress, the foods that we choose to eat, the traditions or the celebrations that we choose to engage in, all of those things are the building blocks of the society that binds us, the things that connect mm. us to one another. And that tells, uh, we are as participants, that tells us and tells those outside of our community who we are, what we're about. Mm. That is our culture. So I'm, I'm going to give you an example of something I experienced years ago when I was in law school as an example of how other people look at cultures. And, and I, again, no other people has been what, what, through what we have been through, uh, Chief Ayanda Clark. So I, I say this not to compare struggle because y'all know I do not believe in oppression Olympics, but to, just to give an example, because sometimes it helps to see how other people are navigating oppression, even if it's a different type of oppression, so that we can just get some insight into just the way that other people do things. When I was in law school, um, my then husband, my then boyfriend, now husband, Brian and I, we got invited to a Seder. Now, a Seder is a dinner um, in the Jewish community, and I can't quite remember what the Seder is for. So those of you out there who are part of the Jewish community, at me, let me remind me what this is. because I'm not going to be able to look it up right now in this discussion. But we were at a Seder, and it was a dinner, and I had never been to a Seder before. And so I was like, all right, we're going to go to this Seder. My Jewish friends invited me to the Seder. I was like, cool, let's go check it out. I had never been. They had come to support my events, and in the spirit of reciprocity, I was damn sure going to show up for them. So I went there. And I, when I tell you we sat down at the table and everything in the table was in its own particular setting. Like it wasn't, you could tell it was not haphazard. And this was a huge hall so that everything on our table was replicated on all the other tables. And it wasn't that the food, it wasn't like a soul food meal, right? It wasn't like, oh, this is delicious. Give me some of that mac and cheese. Give me some. It, it, that wasn't the purpose of the meal. They had horseradish in one bowl. And the horseradish represented like the tears that they had cried over one particular uh, atrocity that they had experienced. Uh, the eggs represented something. Everything on that table, which was not there for them to have a lovely, well-seasoned, down-home, southern home-cooked meal, everything on that table 
was culturally in line and designated to sit in that space because it helped tell the story of this particular aspect of their history. I was blown away because it was so intentional and everybody knew it right they all knew what the horseradish represented they all knew what the egg or the this or the that represented and they understood how that representation tied into their story they used this dinner this meal this cultural space to help solidify the solemnity that they have for their history to help solidify their oneness as a people and me and brian left out of there like yo that was hella dope I I did not find the food palatable in that it was not tasty in the way that I seek to have taste. But the point wasn't to have a a meal that you go home stuffed that you got the itis after. The point was to experience a cultural moment that reaffirmed who they were as a people. I was so impressed by that because I realized then when I began looking at a number of African writers who talk about the word culture, and we see the word culture in a number of other words like agriculture, cultivate, and all designed to speak to the growth of a thing. The intentional growth of a thing is what the culture is for. When you hear that, Chief Ayanda Clark, Grammy Award winning Chief Ayanda Clark, when you hear that and then you think about the way that culture is used in, let's say, in our community, what strikes you as some of the, how does that story strike you? When you think about how our culture is used, and you said culture is how we think, how we perceive, and the values that we share, is our culture intentional enough? Like, are we intentionally curating our culture such that we are producing the thoughts that we want our community to have, the, the perceptions that we want our community to have? How, do you, how does that sit with you? I think when I, so when I hear your story, I think of the term cultural literacy. Mm. Right. Cultural literacy, the the things that the our ability to recognize and extract within the culture and pra- cultural practices, meaning and significance. Mm. Right. And so what you're speaking to is the way in which those part- community members that you were participating and celebrating with the way that they were able to ascribe meaning to each and every one of the things and the items that they were uh, imbibing, that they were taking in, and the things that they were, um, uh, the reasons for the celebration in general, Mm. right? And so cultural literacy, everyone there knew why, what they were doing and why they were doing it, right? And in that, it, 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 it empowers, it's empowering, it's uplifting. It gave everyone that was there likely gave them the strength and the power to move forward throughout right. their day, week, month, and year yep. with success, with power, with pride, with dignity, with honor, and commanding respect from those that they encounter. Mm. The challenge that we have sometimes is that we don't understand why we're doing some of the things that we do. Mm. We don't understand the significance of the cultural traditions that have been passed on before us, or passed on to us by those before us. And so the Sunday dinners at grandma's house, right? The soul food, the down home cooking, all of those things have meaning and have significance. Mm. And when we're, when we uh, separate the significance and the meaning from those actions, then we are theoretically culturally illiterate. And then we don't understand why and how we're doing the things. And then we rob ourselves of the opportunity to be uplifted to be mm. empowered, to walk to walk outside for the next days, weeks, months, and years with, um, with respect, with dignity, with honor, with pride, commanding dignity and respect from all of those around us, right? And so I think cultural literacy is the, is the thing that we need to um, 
work on and what we, what we need to build. Yeah. And that's kind of what the work is that I do. And I'm so glad that there are people like you who are out there doing it, because I think in addition to what you just said, there's also the in addition to the lack of intentionality behind our cultural curation, there's also and this is going to sound harsh. So please push back on it because, you know, I, I love a good pushback. I feel she's going to push us into the into the right right relationship. There's also what I'm coming to see. And I'm struggling with the words about this. So y'all in the audience, forgive me if I'm, I'm not phrasing this properly. I'm, I'm coming to see that there is also a. A, a sort of a, a lazy participation in culture that is designed to bring out the worst of us in some ways. Because if culture is a tool that can grow a thing, you can either grow it in good soil, you can grow it in gra- bad soil, you can grow it healthily or you can grow it poorly. And if our culture is contributing, not the cause of, but contributing to a reality where we not only don't command respect from each other, but we invite derision and disrespect from other people who would never embrace cultural denigration the way that we have come to, it also then is partly, I think, responsible for the hellish mess that some of our communities look like. Now, that might be too strong. So I, I don't know how you feel about that. You're yeah. actually a cultural maker. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you, the expert, am I, am I seeing this inappropriately? Is there a better way to look I, at this? I think that what we're talking about is amplification. Right. Mm. And the challenge with amplification. And oftentimes the the loudest voices are the ones that or, or the the voices that are amplified are oftentimes the ones that are maybe devoid of the of the nutrients. Mm. Right. To use that same analogy of 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 uh, empty calories, they're devoid of some of the nutrients that we need. Yeah. Um, and so the, the key, I think, is for the those who are making there's tons of people that are making intentional music, right. that are making intentional art. There are tons of there's a, there's a there are more people that are doing that than not. Mm. Right. In our communities. And so the challenge is to make sure that the voices of those who are who are pushing the culture forward, who are filling uh, our airways and our ears and our and our eyes with with um, calories that are that are nutrient rich those voices need to be amplified. Mm. And I think, you know, we, we thank you for, for helping us to do that. Well, I, I'm going to try to keep my foot on the gas when it comes to that, because I feel like folks like yourself uh, who are able to speak truth to power about the misperceptions of our culture and who are able to then create uh, real realistic and, and healthier reflections, the, the very calorie full, healthy calories. I think that's really my my goal. My hope is to have more of these discussions so that we are more intentional about the what we are curating as a part of our culture. Uh, so talk with us about uh, some of the ways that we have relegated African culture in particular to sort of the margins. We, we've seen a lot of, of reports now about how museums are thinking about giving art back. And, and, and we sort of think about art, African art as like, in this country anyway, as like a, a mask or like a kente tablecloth. <laughs> and we, we sort of think about it in sort of these decorative sorts of functions. Talk with us about how you as an artisan, as a master artist in this area, and as someone who is a part of the culture curation, how is it that you are pushing back on this I know fringify is not a word, but like putting our culture on the fringe. Like, how do we fight back against that effectively and further amplify the real tools that our culture should be providing for us? Well, traditionally, um, African culture, um, music, art, dance, textiles, they're all functional. Mm. They have a purpose, mm. right? They, they are not intended to be on display in a museum. They are, they are, they are functional. They're part of the fabric that makes the community and part, part of the fabric that makes the society. And so the idea of putting these things, compartmentalizing, number one, 
compartmentalizing the art, right? And yeah. so putting it in spaces where we can, where people just go and see on the weekends in their free time, as we said, that is problematic because mm. the art is supposed to be functional and practical and able to do its job. That's one problem. Yeah. The larger problem, the larger historical problem is the, is the um, depiction of Africa and African peoples in the continent and throughout the diaspora mm. and the misperceptions uh, of what Africa is as stagnant, as old, as ancient. Yes, but ain't ancient and old, but ancient, not dusty, mm. right? Dusty and, and put in the side, like, oh, we can get rid of that. And in order to live in a, in a contemporary society, we can put those things away. But putting those things away is what disconnects us from our history, from our culture, from our languages, from our aesthetics and values that traditionally supported all people from the African diaspora. Wow. The reason why we're here is because those people that came before us held on to their understanding of self enough to power themselves and empower themselves to sustain the atrocities that were imposed upon them. Mm. Right, And so we know that. And so now we have the opportunity and now there's the movement toward returning the, uh, the artifacts to their, their places. Uh, that movement is, is helpful, but it's only helpful if we, the community, if we, the society, ascribe value to those uh, um, items and to those, the philosophy wow. that brought forth those items. And so um, the, the work that I'm doing with, with True to Our Native Land, which is the, the collection of, of lectures, of performances, of public, uh, public events, uh, all that celebrate the the contemporary expressions of Africa, mm. right? We have we had a, a hashtag some years back that was my Africa so lit, right? The mm. idea that Africa is is old and ancient and stagnant that we got to fix that, and ho hopefully uh, we're working toward that. And true to our native land, the program at National Sada, I believe that comes out this fall. This is a two part series, correct? True to our native land started in 2018. Mm. Um, so we started in 2018 and that was the first uh, expression of true to our native land. And since then we've gone, uh, traveled around to different universities, colleges, um, public spaces, museums, um, uh, street fairs, right? So we go to where the people are and we go to where the people think they should be, right? Mm. So we go to all of those spaces. Um, and and then that, this incarnation of true to our native land at the National Sawdust is uh, we started with uh, earlier this month, with a, a lecture, a conversation uh, with an amazing percussionist, Will Calhoun um, of Living Color. And wow. so he and I performed uh, together and talked about the work. And this incarnation, which is happening on November 4th, is uh, performance heavy. Uh, we're gonna be bringing out the, the drum cultures, the drum traditions uh, from, from Ghana, from mm. Cuba, from Nigeria, and, and bringing to the people the, the expressions of the drum ensembles wholly and completely. How will people be able to participate in this? Is this a New York event or is it something that people can view online as well? Well, the, November 4th is a New York event. Okay. Um, but True to Our Native Land is definitely traveling around the country. Um, they can stay in touch with us. Uh, National Sawdust uh, is our partner uh, mm. for this not November 4th event uh, in a, in a, and also with Akila Work Songs. So they yes. are, are okay. shout out to Akila Work Songs. Yeah. Akila Work Songs is doing all of the things. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, absolutely. You already know. So um, uh, people in New York area uh, can can purchase tickets and join us at National Sawdust. 
uh, at nationalsawdust.org mm. to get your tickets. Um, they're going, so please join us. We want to make sure we have as many of us, of, uh, of our community in this space as possible. That's right. And one of the things that you said that it, it reminded for me or brought up for me, because our art is supposed to serve a function, perhaps as we indulge in our art, as we engage in it, as we try, sort of figure out what art we should lend our spirits to, maybe the question we should ask is what purpose does this art serve? Is this particular expression of art here to uplift me, to make me a better person in my community, in my space? Is it here to help me connect more with other people or is it serving some other purpose? And if it's serving some other purpose that is not pro people, pro our community, maybe we pay less attention to it. And instead, uh, we pay a whole lot more attention to art like the kind you're talking about that is designed to help us have a perception of ourselves that is in alignment with how our ancestors envisioned us and what uh, I believe the, the gods of the universe, whomever you pray to, chat or whoever you don't, who y'all in the audience, I know we got people running the gamut, uh, but I think that it will do a lot to bring us more in into alignment with our purpose and with uh, what I hope is a, is a destiny that is far more grand than what we are currently experiencing. Uh, Chief Ayanda Clark, how can people follow you? I know you just gave us the, the National Sawdust information. What's your social media? I want to make sure that people can connect with you as well because you are doing the thing and we want to make sure that we are promoting that as much as possible. Absolutely. Well, you can follow me on social media at Chief Ayanda Clark. That's on IG and on uh, Facebook. And my website, uh, you can find all the information. And please sign up for the our, our mailing list at thefadaragroup.com. T-H-E-F, as in Frank, A-D-A-R-A, group.com. We appreciate you, friend. I, I'm glad you you helped me to, to see a little differently. I have some different questions I want to ask of art now. I'm not going to wag my finger at it. I'm going to just ask some questions. What purpose does it serve? Thank you so much for being with us again today. My pleasure. You. Thanks for having me. Thank you.